Last week, we, uh, we, we went through a bunch of names, essentially. We went through the first couple verses uh, of Matthew chapter 1. Um, and there were three points that I attempted to make in the most crazy wackadoodle way. Uh, one is that the gospel is still happening. So when we look at this as the gospel of Matthew, um, it's, it's saying that this is the beginning of the gospel. This, is, this book is the coming of the gospel, and the gospel is still occurring. So when we reach the end of this book, all we've done is reach the part where we're at now, is where, where Jesus has ascended. He is sitting at the right hand of God the Father in, in, in his resurrected body. And so the gospel still occurs. The good news still occurs. That's how we're all saved. Uh, second, that Jesus was promised through the whole Old Testament, that that list of names is not, it's not useless. It's actually for a very good purpose for us to see that the whole story of the Old Testament pointed to this point. Um, and then the third point I tried to make was that Jesus's lineage being so checkered shows that he can redeem anything. And again, we all know that if we're Christians, if we know the Lord, we know that he can redeem even us. I like to say that about myself. Man, if God can redeem me, uh, a, a, a nerdy, selfish um, uh, brat, my wife can attest to the fact that brat is probably an accurate term for me. Um, I annoy her to tears. Um, if God can redeem even me, if God can redeem even his own lineage, then he can redeem anything. Um, so that brings us to this week. Uh, this last week was a rough week. I am grateful that none of you tried to contact me. And if you did, you had the wrong number and I'm sorry, but it was, it was a hard week. Um, all three of my kids got the flu. So last week, Sam and Silas weren't here because they had the flu. We were hoping it was a cold. We were wrong. Uh, and then Abby caught it on Monday. So we're out of the, the, the infected period, so you're not going to get sick from seeing them. I didn't bring them here as a germ bomb to try and like thin the herd or anything. Uh, they're, they're, they're out of that time. Uh, now they just have ear infections. So now we've got another couple days of fun. Uh, <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was, it was a rough week. <laughs> So thank you for not trying to contact me. In the future, you can contact me, but by God's grace, you didn't. That was wonderful. But now that I made a change, I'll be getting all the hate mail. I'll start, uh, I'll start, start checking the offering plate for dear pastor. Um, I, these are bad jokes, guys. Come on, at least chuckle. I'm getting like one <laughs> chuckle. Um, all right. So our verses for today, Matthew uh, chapter one, go ahead and open your Bibles to Matthew chapter one, verses 18 through 25. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took, by the way, I read from the English standard version. I didn't mention that before. Um, the ESV, it's my favorite version because it's got that poetic, almost King James feeling, but it's a literal translation. So that's why I like it. Um, so when you're reading it in your NIV or your King James or your NLT, uh, if you have a message, there's a garbage bin that's, that'll be your receptacle. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Um, but when you're reading it, you're, you might hear it a little bit different. So, sorry, starting again. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. 
But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken uh, by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Go figure, he listened. Um... All right, so this is a pretty dramatic section. In comparison to last week, which was just a bunch of names, um, this this one begins our narrative. So it's no longer just the explanation that Matthew's giving. He's actually starting the story. He's starting the very beginning of, of this great news that God has come to reconcile his people. And that's shown here. But first, you, you see this narrative, the, the, it, the birth took place in this way when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph. Now, engagement worked different, right? How many of y'all are married? Raise your hand. We're married. At least, at least have seen a wedding once, right? The, the wedding had, a, had, a, had some sort of a procession for the wedding, but before the wedding even happened, uh, there was a proposal. There was dating. hope there was dating. Um, arranged marriages are different, but our culture, our culture doesn't really have arranged marriages. So you had, you had, you had some, at first, <coughs> couple, um, usually guy asks out girl, they date for a while, they decide to get married, guy proposes, they get married, and then, you know, then comes Mary with a baby carriage, right? Uh, we, we realize there's some sort of a progression there. In, in this time, in this place, it was a little bit different. It's not like, it's not like now. Uh, it's not like Mary and Joseph had been dating. Chances are Joseph was older than Mary by quite a bit. Um, he had a, an established career. Um, we find out that that's carpentry. Carpentry. He had provided for his family, probably built a home before he had ever went to Mary's father and asked for her uh, hand in marriage. Mary's father, not necessarily her. She had to be willing, but there, that was the betrothal process. Um, way different from today, right? So when we read that, that his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, chances are they didn't have a lot of conversations. And then Joseph sees that she's pregnant, and he knows it wasn't him. So <clears throat> this is starting in a little bit of a dramatic fashion. Uh, the, this whole story is, is beginning with Joseph probably feeling pretty betrayed. Here, here, this woman that he had been betrothed to, that this was going to be his wife, he was going to raise a family with, she's played the harlot, and she's gotten pregnant. But Joseph wasn't just the guy. His right would have been to take her to task, to divorce her very publicly, uh, to shame her. There's no scarlet letter. That's not, that's not true. That's actually a totally made-up story. There's no scarlet letter, but it would have been a very public pronouncement of her shame. But Joseph's not that dude. Joseph's not the dude that wants to shout from the mountaintops that this girl betrayed him. Instead, what does it say? It says that her husband, meaning her betrothed, Joseph, 
verse 19, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame. He didn't want to put her to shame. That's pretty, that's pretty big. To be betrayed in such a way and to not want to put this woman to shame. To not want to make her stand out in a crowd. To not want to make her um, suffer for what she's done. But then you have in the story as Joseph is considering these things. Considering what? Considering obviously divorcing her. And whether or not to put her to shame. Really starting to question his, how, how just was he? Um, probably he was praying. That, that's, that's most likely what's happening here. He's praying and then an angel appears. Now that's Nick. I, 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 know, I know the word angel evokes um, a lady in a white robe with a halo, some really huge wings. That's not how the Bible depicts angels. They do have wings, but they got a lot of eyes usually. Um, or they appear like men. Angels, an angel, the Greek word angelos, just means messenger. So when we see an angel of the Lord, uh, this isn't the postman, right? <laughs> this isn't the telegraph guy that's coming and I got this message for you. It, it's, it's an angel of the Lord, a messenger directly from God. So this is an angelic being in terms of a heavenly being. But again, probably not white robe, probably not choir behind him. Um, you know, walking around with a trumpet stashed in his, in his robe behind him. Um, that's probably not what this angel looked like. But he still came in a dream and very clearly made some proclamations here. Um, and I love, I love, I love what the angel says. Joseph, son of David. Is Joseph the son of David? Well, we can look back here and we can actually see Joseph's father's name is actually Jacob. Verse 16. So Joseph's not the son of David, he's the son of Jacob. What is he saying there? Well, he's saying that, that, that Joseph is in the line of David. That this is, again, that kingly succession. Remember last week I was talking about this. This gospel is all about Jesus being king and Jesus' kingdom. And we're going to see that, that, that theme crop up all over. But the angel says it very clearly, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. Joseph was afraid. That's what he was struggling with. He was afraid. Again, not just betrayed, but also afraid. I can't, I can't do this. I can't do this. this. This girl, she got a child. It's not mine. I'm not going to pretend it's mine. He was a just man. He didn't want to lie. So that's why, that, that's, or that's one of the reasons that I think God sent an angel uh, is, is to ensure that this happened. And you'll see throughout scripture, angels from God are reserved to make sure that God, to ensure that God's plan is happening, to reassure God's people that God is actually doing the things that he's doing. Um, so Joseph was obviously being patient in some capacity here. I mean, I, I don't know, I, I'd call him pretty patient. You know, the, the woman he's betrothed to, gonna get married to, betrays him in that way. For him to even consider, like, should I or should I not publicly shame her? That's, that, that shows some level of patience. Um, I mean, I, 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 don't, I don't know about you, but if somebody betrayed me in that way, I, my, my inner desire would be to set off fireworks that say adultery, like in the sky, right? I'd, I'd want to get the megaphone and, and say, say, say to all my friends, or in today, I'd probably pick up the cell phone and call all my buddies and say like, hey, hey, 
I can't, I'm not going to marry this woman. I'm not going to marry this woman. I'm not going to marry this woman. No, he considered it quietly and calmly and, pe- and somewhat peacefully in the sense that, that he wanted to think it through. So his patience was, was great. And I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, uh, all of us should learn from Joseph in that regard. How many times have you waited on the Lord? How many times have you patiently waited on the Lord? <laughs> How many times have you considered things, actually thought through them, and, and sat there wondering and, and, and praying and, and, and agonizing over things and actually sat there instead of going, well, I resolve to do this or I'm going to do this. We don't like to be patient, but Joseph showed that patience. So he was just, he was patient, um, and, um, and he, he, he didn't want to put this woman to shame regardless of her betrayal. Really good things, really good qualities. Not something that we, uh, we can mimic, and I can guarantee if Joseph didn't mimic him the re- like the rest of his life. You know how I can guarantee that? Because he's not Jesus. Um, and then there's Mary. Mary is actually not mentioned much here. Luke's gospel gives us a greater picture of what happened uh, with Mary. But, but I mean, in the, in the grand scheme, the genealogy is actually through Joseph. Think about that for a second. Joseph was going to be Jesus's adoptive father, and that's the lineage that Jesus inherited the line of David from. Adoption, by the way, is not second-rate childhood. It's, it's, it's first-rate. Like I said last week, my wife was adopted. She is a member of the family. That is the way it is. She is a daughter of her, of her father and her mother, even though she wasn't biologically that way. And that's expressed right here through Jesus. And you'll hear some, some people say, some scholars like to say, well, you know, one gospel is through Mary, the other one's through, uh, through, through Joseph. But they're actually both through Joseph in two roundabout ways. They're, they're pretty similar. If you look at Luke's gospel, Luke chapter 3, um, 2, Luke 2, sorry, making stuff up already. Second week, I'm already telling you wrong stuff. Um, so, so, so Joseph was going to be Jesus' adoptive dad, he, he, um, he did a lot of things right here, much kind of like Jesus. Think about it. Jesus was betrayed. God was betrayed by Israel time and time again. That's the story of the Old Testament. Israel is unfaithful to the extreme. Every chance they get to get it right, they get it wrong. <laughs> that feels like my life, honestly, most, most days. Um, but, but, Joseph is sitting here kind of as a pre-image of, of who Jesus is. Not like, not like Jesus mimicked Joseph, but as, as kind of the foreshadowing of what Jesus was going to do. And it's, it's a beautiful picture, isn't it? Jesus didn't need the encouragement from an angel. We probably should never expect an encouragement from an angel because God uses that very specifically for, for when his plans are coming through. And he, he, he is going to reassure his people miraculously. But I mean, if you're, if you're trying to determine patiently between getting a, a Subaru and a Ford, don't expect an angel. Just saying. It's general rule. <laughs> if you get one, praise God, it's probably the Subaru. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> um, so so Joseph, Joseph shows some good qualities there, but that's not who the story is about. 
Joseph is just one of the first characters. This is actually about Jesus. The angel didn't come to Joseph just to say, hey, don't, don't fear, marry her. Um, marry, Mary. Anyway, I always think that's funny, but that's an English idiom. That's not, uh, that's not a, a, an all across the board thing. Um, but when we, when we focus on what the topic actually is of this, Joseph's not the main dude. Um, because then the, then, then the angel says this, she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. There's something to note here too, that you can almost pass over and it's so commonplace. Jesus was born from a virgin. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard the term immaculate conception uh, basically, Jesus being born of Mary uh, earned Mary a sinlessness that she was sinless before um, before the coming of Jesus, and and now she's sinless in the coming of Jesus. Um, that is nowhere in Scripture. Um, it's a Roman Catholic teaching. I can't remember the Pope that said it first, but it's but if you ever if you ever hear the term immaculate conception. Um, just ignore it. Just cut it out. <laughs> just, whoever's talking is either using the wrong words, trying to talk about the virgin birth, or they're propagating something that's false. Um, it's it happens. You and I propagate false stuff all the time. Like when we like when, when I said that you should choose the Subaru, propagate false stuff. Ford all the way. Uh, <laughs> sorry, um, but. Um, but the, the virgin birth is pivotal to Christianity, isn't it? This, this, this wonderful truth that the, the child is from the Holy Spirit. So Jesus gets, 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 gets deity, he gets humanity, and he's not just God coming to earth, as my friend, my friend once put it. It's not just God in a, in a meat suit, like zipping up, uh, zipping up humanity and wearing it as an outside garment. No, somehow this is, this is full deity and full manhood in one that is beyond our understanding and if you ever hear anybody saying well the divine dna shows this or or you know well, i know how he was fully god and fully man it was a 50 50 thing those are heretical things <laughs> that that the, 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 you seriously if anybody ever says i know how jesus was fully divine and fully god that person probably coming out of Joseph Smith's uh, rule book from the 1800s. Um, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really taking pot shots today. Uh, <laughs> so the 1800s were a breeding ground for this stuff. Uh, there, there, there were all these weird landslides into these, these understandings of, of the virgin birth and how it came about. And unfortunately, those come about today, they crop up. There's no new heresies. Those actually even cropped up in the first century about Jesus. Just look up Arius. St. Nicholas, the guy we like to call Santa Claus, punched him in the face for, for denouncing Jesus' full divinity and full manhood. Um, that's a really fun story uh, that's been mystified over the years, but basically, basically Arius uh, was saying false things about Jesus, teaching false things about Jesus, and St. Nicholas had had it, and he just gets up and punches him in the face. <laughs> very, very well recorded in history. So there is a righteous reason to punch somebody in the face. Anyway, <laughs> um, so, so, so the virgin birth 
is this first appearance of this incredibly um, indescribable truth that God is coming. God is coming not just as God, not just as a spirit. He's not just dwelling as a cloud in a tabernacle, but he is coming as a man and God at the same time. The virgin birth cannot be removed from a Christian, an actual Christian understanding of who Jesus is. Can never be removed. And it should never be downplayed either. And that's what we're hitting. And just couple other things that this angel says about Jesus. He, get, he, 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 he tells Joseph to name him Jesus. Um, and he, he also, um, Matthew brings in this, this statement from Isaiah, from Isaiah um, 7, 14. Good, I had that right. I said 14, 7 earlier, and I knew I was wrong. Um, so, 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 so two things implied. Jesus, the name Jesus, man, that was like the most common name in the world at that time with Jews. Uh, you couldn't throw a rock without hitting a Jesus. Uh, it, was just, it was just like the most popular name. Uh, in Hebrew and then Aramaic, the, the name would have been pronounced Yeshua. Uh, we, can, we can transliterate that into English by saying Joshua. Okay, Josh. Jesus was named Josh. Um, the, 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 the name Yeshua was then changed into the, the, the Greek for uh, Iesus. Um, it's also in Latin, Iesus. But we transliterate that as Jesus. That's where we get the name Jesus. That's where we say it. But this name, Jesus, was an old school name, Joshua. You know, what? A couple books of the Bible in, you get a book called Joshua. It's a dude. Um, Moses' disciple, essentially. So, so this time in, in, in history, Rome ruled over Israel, and they ruled with a bit of an iron fist, um, an educated iron fist, but they, they ruled with an iron fist. And uh, Israel was crying out for salvation from God, and they were expecting this messianic king to come, um, they were expecting him to come and conquer Rome and rule over them, and it would be this this wonderful time of peace and prosperity, and 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 Rome would would take all their 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 idols out. They were expecting a conquering king to come in and conquer through war and bloodshed. That's what they were expecting, and so in response to that, they started naming their kids Joshua, Yeshua, uh, Jesus. That's what they named them. So Jesus was the most common name that you could possibly run into at that time. Um, and in a lot of other times, too. It really was like the uh, New Testament equivalent of the name Joe. How many of you know a Joe? <laughs> like, you probably know more Joes or David uh, than you know any, any, any other name or John. We'll use John. Um, John's a, a pretty common name now. So, so the name Jesus wouldn't mean anything except for what the angel says. He says, you need to name him Jesus. Why do you need to name him Jesus? For he will save his people from their sins. He will. Not the other Jesuses. They're all schmucks. But this Jesus, this Jesus is going to save them from their sins. So that name means something. It's, a, it's, it's, it's an office of Jesus. It's, it's a thing that Jesus does. He saves his people from their sins. 
So that's what we that that's one of the things we see. Um, and this is great news. Why is it great news? Because God Himself is accomplishing salvation. You ever heard heard anybody say like, "Well, I need to earn God's favor." They may not say it like that, but I need to. I need. I need to. I need to work. I need to show how how righteous and good I am, so that God will 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 listen to me. God will bless me in the way that I want. God will give me that car I want if I do enough for Him. Um, prosperity gospel. Sowing the seed, right? Send in your monies. Uh, send, send, send them all to Dude on TV, and 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 God will bless you with from that seed. That's that's wrong. <laughs> um, that's not the salvation we need. We don't need a better car, bigger house. We need we need salvation from sins. We need freedom. We need we 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 need forgiveness. And that's what Jesus accomplishes. His name, Jesus. When you cry out. In Jesus' name, you're not just calling out to a person. You're not just calling out to an office. You're calling out to God himself who saves from sin. That's a great thing. Great thing. Great news. Good news. It's it's the gospel. But he also gives, um, well, also, just just think about that too. Um, God saves us from the consequence of our sin. What's the consequence of our sin? Hell right? Um, but, 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 but that consequence, we can't earn our way out of. There is no earning your way out of that consequence. There is no amount of work you could ever do to try and build yourself a bridge out of that consequence. You can never be good enough. I can never be good enough. My kids can never be good enough to earn their way out of hell. Only Jesus can do that. Only Jesus can save them from that. We carry in us that same desire, that same problem that Adam and Eve brought in at the very beginning. Genesis 3. But then you get to Genesis 3.15, middle of the curse, or right at the end. Two-thirds, two-thirds of the way through this curse that God brings as a result of sin. And he says that there's going to be a seed of a woman who comes. And, and he will not be a sinner. Great news. This is Jesus. You, you ever have a consequence for your sin? You ever, you ever tell a lie and get in trouble for it? You ever take something and get in trouble for it? You ever punch somebody in the face and get in trouble for it? Not like St. Nicholas. He did get in trouble, by the way. But, uh, but, but th- those consequences, they tend to spiral, and they spiral in our heart before they spiral in our actions. The, we get indignant we miss the point of discipline. And Jesus doesn't save us from the consequences and like, hey, you're going to stop sinning and you no longer have to, have, to, have to lie, steal, or punch people in faces. You, that's not what I'm talking about. What I mean is that, that we, we, we don't understand our own actions and we spiral. Our heart is all messed up. It's got sin in it. Swirls around. And we will, we will continue messing up. Jesus never did. Jesus never messed up. And that's the beauty of this name that he gives the second time, Emmanuel, right? That's Isaiah 7.14. If you opened Isaiah 7.14, you would not understand that as a messianic prophecy. It's the statement to King Ahaz. Who's King Ahaz? Well, 
turns out he's actually in this lineage of Jesus somewhere. <laughs> um, but, but King Ahaz was a wicked king, and Isaiah prophesied against him, and Isaiah 7.14 is the middle of this prophecy, and, and, and God just makes this declaration that, that uh, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. So Jesus was fully God. He's the one who's saving people from their sins. It takes God to save us from our sins. But this name Emmanuel means something very hopeful too. It's God with us. God coming to dwell. See, Jesus didn't just come into a world and be perfect. Um, <clears throat> Carl, this is why I was complaining about Sunday school today. Uh, <laughs> it's, I'm going to regurgitate some of what we talked about it's in my notes, promise you can read them if you can read my handwriting. Uh, <laughs> I'm not just stealing it. But, but when, when we think of Emmanuel, God with us, man, when you're sick, do you make the best choices? When you're frustrated, do you make the best choices? <clears throat> when you um, stub your toe, do you say the right words? I use that as an example because it is the greatest pain I can imagine uh, besides stepping on a Lego. Um, so so when, when, you, when you are in a situation that is not going your way, do you make the best choices? Do you say the best things? Do you say the right things? No. No, we sin. We fall prey to our temptation. That's why we need, that's why we need to be rescued from it. And the name, Emmanuel, God with us implies that Jesus, or not implies, it states very clearly that God coming as Emmanuel, as Jesus, in this virgin birth, being fully God, fully man, it says, Jesus understands. Jesus went through it too. Uh, the question came up in Sunday school, uh, you know, do you think Jesus ever got sick? That's not said in scripture. I don't know. I would assume so, because he was fully God, fully man in a pre-resurrected body, pre-glorified body. Um, I would assume so, but I am always very cautious to make assumptions of things that are not in scripture. But I can tell you for sure that he was scorned by his enemies. His friends betrayed him and left him. Uh, I, can, I can tell you that he for sure had relational problems because even his own brother, James, who wrote the book of James, didn't believe who Jesus was when Jesus said he was who he was. I can, I can, I can tell you that, that he was wounded for our sins and our transgressions. I can tell you that he felt pain just like you and I do. I can tell you that, that, that he saw the effect of sickness like with Lazarus when Lazarus died. I can, I can promise you that he saw with human eyes every single one of those things. And I can tell you that he understood with human eyes. It's not just God far away. God is not so far away that he can't understand what you are going through. Instead, he was on this earth with eyes like yours and mine and saw them and had compassion. Fully God, fully man. God himself has compassion on us. Hebrews 4.15, he sympathizes with us in our every weakness. Paul writes to the Corinthians that, that, that God can carry us through every temptation. How can he carry us through every temptation? Because he was tempted himself. Emmanuel, God with us. Is that not wonderful news? God's not just far away on a throne 
and looking down on us, oh, those stupid, pitiful ants. If only they could get it right and build a tower tall enough to reach my throne. That's not who God is. That's not who Jesus is. Jesus, right here, came, was born just like you and me, soiled diapers like you and I did. Praise God we don't remember that. But then we remember it in our kids and we recognize, I always joke, the first dirty diaper is proof of original sin. <laughs> so, but, 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 but he soiled diapers like us. He probably had people pick on him just like we did. He, I can guarantee it because the Pharisees did it. But I'm thinking as a kid, Jesus was among us. So much so that his mother and brothers didn't even believe him when he was doing all this stuff. Mary, who, who, who goaded Jesus into turning water into wine at the wedding at Cana in, in, in John 3. 3? 2? I don't remember. Now it's fading. I should have written it down. It's a failure of a pastor. It's wrong. Uh, <laughs> so, um, but Mary made him do this miracle. She knew he was capable of doing a miracle, or he was capable of doing a miracle. How did she know that? Well, just think about how he was born. I mean, the, the, these are things that help us recognize who Jesus is, because if we can see who Jesus is, then we can act better. You ever think about that? If you understand who God is, then it doesn't make you high and mighty. It makes you get, it doesn't make you so high and mighty that you stand in some ivory tower, uh, theologizing everything, Right? Instead, it makes you hit the streets like Jesus. Makes you walk in the dirt like Jesus did. Makes you show compassion like Jesus did. If you can understand that gospel truth, we, you will be more gracious. Not perfect. I'm a perfect example of why, why that's not perfect. <laughs> I am not always gracious. Last week, there were a couple people that came up and talked to me, and I'm just like, dude, just like walking away because my mind is elsewhere. That's, I'm, I'm not fully attentive. God is. But God can sympathize with my weakness, my screw-ups. Why? Because he endured them perfectly. He went through those temptations and he survived. You and I, we go through those temptations and we screw up. I mean, what's the percentage of us falling, to, falling into sin when we're tempted? I don't know, half. Five out of ten times? One out of two? Nine out of ten? We mess up. But when we see Jesus and, 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 and we understand that he's the one who saves and we understand that he's the one who came and dwelt with us, then it changes us. Why? Because we adore him. Um, in the bulletin, you'll see all these fancy little terms, revelation, adoration, offering, proclamation, supplication, dedication, and commission. But that second one, adoration, when we sang in Christ alone, were you adoring Christ and what he's done? Were you, were, you, were, you, were, you, were you seeing how wonderful and beautiful and glorious he is by the lyrics, the truth expressed in song? That's what, we, that's what happens. So um, not only can Jesus sympathize with your every weakness, whether you've got a cold or the flu, uh, whether, whether you've got cancer, whether you're dying an untimely death, whether, whether, whether your, your, your bank account isn't going to make it this month and you have to ask for help, <clears throat> no matter what, 
Jesus can sympathize with that, but not only can he sympathize with those weaknesses, but he's also the only one that can rescue you from the consequence. He may not make you not have to ask for help uh, for the month to make the bills. He may not uh, save you from cancer and, and all the pain that that road walks. He may not even save you from the cold right away when you want it gone. But he can stir in your heart an affection for him, a love for him, an adoration of him that lessens the, the symptoms of those things. Maybe not the effect, but the symptoms. He's not just going to remove your pain, man. Think of what he went through on the cross. He went through that not just to make it so you don't have to go through pain, but he can sympathize with you through that. He's not just going to take it away, but he'll suffer with you. He'll comfort you. He'll love you. He'll care, care for you. God works in the ways that he intends to work, always. When you see people die all around you, Jesus knows what, the, what it's like to lose a friend. When you, when, you, uh, when you break your leg or your hip doing something stupid, Jesus can sympathize with that. He watched that. Might have broken a bone or two himself. Can't tell you if he did. But he knows pain. He can walk along with you. That's the God we worship. That's so different from every other God. That's so different from every other understanding of deity. Why would God do that? Why would God go through that? Why would Jesus do the things that he did? He faced weariness. He faced hunger. He faced temptation. He endured them perfectly. That's incomprehensible to us. This God of ours is incomprehensibly compassionate. And he endured perfectly. When was the last time you got mad at your friend because they called you and told you something you didn't want to hear? Or you took out your anger on somebody else when you shouldn't have? That's me, man. I yell at my kids. I get frustrated with stuff. Did that yesterday. The bulletin. I'm going to confess to you right now. This thing caused me to raise my voice. Why? Because I got frustrated with the fact that I, one, couldn't make it do what I wanted it to do. And two, I did not like that this was centered. My wife was like, oh, put that center. It looks so much better. I said, nah, that's not the way it is. I'm the husband. I tell you what to do. I'm just kidding. Um, as you can tell, I conceded to my wife's opinion. Uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> amen. <laughs> but, but when, but, but I react poorly. I'm a sinner in need of Jesus' grace. If I can't admit that from up here, how can I ever expect any of you guys to admit it? I sin, I fall, I mess up, fall into temptation. Oh, just to continue the confession time, I yelled at my kids uh, because they were being loud as I was trying to talk to, to Rachel about how the bulletin should look and since I know everything, how I know it should look. Um, and, and I mean, I, I got so mad at, at one, of my, one of my kids just because they wanted my attention and I didn't want to give it. Was that right? No. See, Jesus wouldn't have fallen prey to that situation because he goes through, went through those situations perfectly. That's why he can sympathize. He doesn't sympathize because he was a screw-up like I am. He sympathizes because he endured perfectly. The virgin birth is a truth like that. We cannot comprehend it. 
We accept it by faith. We trust. We trust that what it says is accurate. We trust that Jesus is who he says he is. That's what faith is. It's just trust. It's not some magical thing that, uh, that, that, that we have to well up in ourselves. It's something that we, we do because we adore the one who said it. So, trust Jesus. Trust him that he sympathizes. Trust him that he knows better than you do. Uh, don't try to be like God, like Adam and Eve were. That is, that, that is the first sin. I keep saying that, but that keeps coming up. We're talking about suffering in Sunday school. There's no greater topic than suffering. I'm, gonna be, I'm, I'm actually being honest. That's not, a, that's not a joke. There's no more hopeful subject in all of the conversations we could co- possibly have in church than suffering. Because Jesus suffered on our behalf. And we're not better than Jesus, are we? So when we suffer... We get to do it with joy, knowing that our God did it too. What a wonderful truth that is. Let me pray, and then we'll sing one song. This, this song is new. Actually, did we get it? Did we get the YouTube lyric video? Yeah, all right. This is like my favorite song because of what it says uh, and how true it is. But we're going to sing this last song together, and then I'll dismiss you. Um, it's called a benediction. It's basically, it's basically the pastor saying, get out of here. So let's, let's pray and sing. Lord, I thank you that you endured every trial, every temptation perfectly, because I, I can't. I, couldn't, I, I wouldn't be able to do it twice in a row if I tried, I bet. Um, and I, I thank you that you did. Lord Jesus, you are the one who saves, and you're the one who dwells or dwelt among us the one who walked among us, the one who stepped in the same, um, the same cow pies as the apostles, the one, the one that sa- stepped in the same potholes. Um, you got hurt and didn't respond poorly. Lord, those, those things I cannot get. And I, I, I thank you that you can because I wouldn't be saved without you getting them. Lord, help us as a church to adore you throughout this week. May we, may we talk about the truth of your birth um, in wonder and in awe and in gratitude. Help us to hit the streets like you do with love and compassion, mercy. In your name, amen.